how's everybody doing tonight? I hope everybody's having a great week. We've got we've got an excellent panel of hosts this evening. We're going to get to it uh, at launch. We're going to find out what this is all about. So we'll start. We're going to start. Uh, we're going to start. Pete's on, but he's he lost power. Oh, Pete lost power. All right. Lauren, we'll start with, no, we're not going to start with Lauren. we got to go with ladies first. Sarah, Sarah Barbell, how are you doing? And please introduce yourself. Hey, Rick. Um, I'm so happy to be on. It's um, a joy to finally, I shouldn't say finally, but to be a part of this because I have been listening and have just been thrilled with everything you've done. So, well, um, you. yeah. So, for the audience, I work for Ag Launch. I am the director of entrepreneurship and um, really help startups, um, ag tech startups specifically, connect with farmers to propel their technology forward. I have been in the ag industry my pretty much entire career and I'm excited to move forward with this ag tech component just to help farmers, like I said. So, Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Sarah. Lauren, yeah, try to give us, uh, try to condense her down to at least a couple minutes of what you're up to. Oh, uh, well, I just got back from your place last night, had a wonderful time out there. You guys put on one heck of a good day, a couple days out there. And uh, I hope people know how special that was. But uh, me personally, uh, where do I start? I mean, I, I farm here in Northeast Iowa some days. But uh, I've taken on uh, roles now with the Ag Venture Alliance. That's a sister to Ag Launch. And I've, I've been part of the Ag Launch team for, I think it's going on five years now. Mm. And uh, it's just a very neat organization and a lot of great people involved. And where, where I'm at with them now, working with the Farmer Trial Network and stuff like that. When you see the value that this brings to these startup corporations and that, it just, it's kind of fun. And, uh, you know, I told my wife last March already, you know, we're getting ready to dive into the, you know, front row seats of the future of farming. And uh, it's kind of, kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, real quick, folks, we're having some technical difficulties with uh, with Pete here. Hey, Rachel, can He'd you be the nine zero three number, wouldn't he? If you can make him a moderator, can you get so he can get it on his phone? And that's good. Enough. That'll be good enough for tonight. Yeah, I, I've seen on the top of the list there's nine zero three. The one, the nine zero one three one five. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I was wrong. There we go. So Pete will be joining us here in just a moment. Um, sorry, for the, sorry for the herky-jerky start here, folks, but that's okay. This is live. I want it to be live. I want it to be fluid. I want it to be natural. And sometimes things happen. So that's the way it goes. Um, Sarah, I'm going to start with you again. I this is the I always ask the first question um, of everyone that gets to, to be on the show. Um, Sarah, what, what is on your mind right now? It could be anything. Tell us what's, what's been on your mind 
for the last 24 hours. <laughs> for the last 24 hours. That's really hard to narrow that down, Rick. <laughs> oh, come on. Is it your your pigs out in in, in your pasture? <laughs> what what is it? There's always a pig out. <laughs> My cows are always out. There's always some type of livestock running around where it shouldn't be. Um, so that is farm-wise. For work-wise, we are busy planning a field day next Wednesday. Um, and oh, good. Yeah, so we have 15 startups coming to Memphis. And so that Holy has God. been taking a lot of um, planning. And oh. we are we're on the you know last bit of the runway here, and it's been a little crazy. but Well, good. That's awesome. Yeah. There's nothing like doing some some training. It just it just goes so far. It's it's a great thing. So Lauren, what uh, what's on your mind right now? Oh, my mind's juggling things as usual. I mean, when we left your place last night, we uh, stopped at Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and picked up our new German exchange student. Uh, very good. Uh, start i mean the first 24 hours and he's still here and we're still having fun and good laughs and then uh originally what you know my plan was next week i was going to be down in memphis but now trying to help coordinate with these companies and then i'm i'm gonna probably stay here in iowa go to the rodale institute field day here in iowa next week so there's an extra seat in memphis there you go i see pete's updated now so pete you with us now yeah, can you hear me, everybody? Oh yeah, we can hear you loud and clear. Pete, tell us, uh, give us a little, give us a little bio about yourself, please, and then I've, I've got a question for you. Good deal. I'll try to be short. I um, quick version: dropped out of college, backpacked around the country for a while. Was a southern kid that's been around farming, and uh, but ended up in Boulder, Colorado, back in the early '90s. Got interested in organic and renewables and local food and ended up landing in Memphis, Tennessee, which is sort of the heartbed of the opposite of that. It's a you know traditional Southern cotton, I'd say exploiting both uh, labor as we know people of color and, um, and a, a monoculture crop. And uh, so about four years of trying to get my little farm going, realized this was very, very difficult and just moved my career into first trying to figure out new cropping systems that I would get some of the benefits of you know, less nitrogen or weed suppression without using chemicals, but in traditional row crop systems in this part of the South. And then, uh, you know, as most people on this call probably know, it's extremely difficult to get new crops up and running and processed in markets. And so we backed into ag tech in 2013 as a group of farmers, really just, I mean, I'm saying on your podcast, I, I don't normally say this from other places, but you know, the, the ag tech play has been a way for us to build a network of farmers, um, look for mutually beneficial opportunities to do value add and vertically integrate and kind of build some new technologies along the way. So uh, we spent the last you know, first 10 years of my career trying to grow crops ranging from hemp to sugar beets down here as a renewable to sweet sorghum as a rotation crop with corn and soybeans to uh, then eventually getting the ag tech, which we've been at it. And uh, as Lauren and Sarah both alluded to, you know, our passion as farmers, we're a, basically a, a tech co-op. So we've got a group of farmers that we build technologies with and support these startup companies and 
the key of the whole thing is that farmers own um, equity in the companies that we're helping get up and off the ground. And uh, we see that as a way of hopefully creating just yet another revenue stream and potential for uh, moving farmers in the direction everybody on this call probably wants things to go. No, that's awesome. We're gonna get deeper into this. Um, so Pete, I'm gonna ask you the same thing I asked uh, Sarah and Lauren. Uh, what what's on your mind right now? What are you what are you thinking about right now? Uh, what I've been thinking about is with the fact that there's a ton of different kind of crops we could grow, and that it potentially, especially with all the sort of interest in climate, regenerative everything, potentially consumers are going to be willing to pay more for things like nutrient density or flavor or how something was grown. And that's something many of us, me included, have been chasing all the way since the organic standards and others is how do we get premiums for growing things the quote unquote right way. And so if that's all true and the sort of technology, uh, which right now has a lot been built for big companies, but we're interested in building technology for how it changes things at the farm gate and on the farm. And so um, just been thinking a lot, to be honest with you, crazy idea but like could we grow you know uh, turnips and radishes and sweet potatoes and different kinds of beans on one field and harvest it with robots and how much nutrient density would be packed into that and what would it do for the soil biome and so my last 24 hours have been making up models in my head and on my whiteboard about what kind of crazy ideas that we could do with that now that we've got enabling technologies that are different than kind of how we've had to do in the past. No, that's awesome. That's just awesome. So, you know, let's stay right there for just a moment. Um, what we're trying to do here on this farm, we're trying to figure out how we can raise multiple cash crops together in that same field at the same time. And that's exactly what you're talking about there. Those, We've got to find those synergies of, of, of different species and, and how they get along with each other. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know if you're asking for comment, Rick, but like, it's really interesting. I go to all these ag tech meetings there, and I know a lot of people on this call do, where, you know, it's all about biotech getting the yields of the commodity crops up. And I would sort of view that as like, how do you get vertical? And I've just been thinking a lot more about kind of the same thing you're talking about. How do we, like the room for innovation in the exploration between how different crops interact and the microbes in the soil interact and what that could mean, especially if we think about yields based on more something like nutrients than the actual, you know, starch or the, the fungible commodity. You know, there's just so much room for technology that is not just get the yields up or the inputs down with the machinery that we use now, but like just a whole like massive, almost unlimited exploration of how these things all interact. And uh, it's really, really, I mean, if you got eyes and ears to see it and hear it, it's a really, really interesting time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the, you know, most of your conventional type thinking farmers are not, are gonna not even, you know, consider you're going to, you want me to raise what now? You want me to raise two or three things together and then what are we going to do with it? So I just love this approach. Um, I think it's part of the next piece of the missing puzzle as far as getting the maximum amount of diversity that we can. So um, I love this. I love this idea. 
Um, let's move into a little bit more about the company here. Um, Sarah, I want to come to you. Uh, please tell us again what your position is with the company and then tell what's that mean? What's that mean? Yeah. So I'm the director of entrepreneurship. What that means is I help all of the entrepreneurs and egg tech startups with different types of programming. We have boot camps for, for really, really early egg tech startups, um, all the way to an accelerator and farm trial um, program called Egg Launch 365. For those startups that are slightly farther along, have something to trial because we have this trial program that Lauren is part of and um, just everything in between. But really what we want to help and kind of getting to what Pete was saying is we want to help connect the startups with the farmers so that we can help build this ecosystem that Pete was saying and really help the farmers while also helping um, the startups. And I know I said help a lot, but it's really accelerating that um, innovation through connection with farmers. Yeah. I mean, that's the name of the program, right? Accelerator. So, yeah. So, so Sarah, are you, are you trying to focus in on um, ag based companies then? I mean, you, you wouldn't want somebody who's got a new, uh, a new car wax. I'm just, I just, I don't know where that came from, but it just came out. I mean, is that correct? We wouldn't want somebody that has a car wax unless it's also a tractor wax, Rick. Um, made, made out of soybean oil. How about that? <laughs> but what we're looking for are technologies that are relevant and help the farmer directly on the farm. So um, if it's going to help you or Lauren on the farm, then that's the type of technology that we want. And that's who we're interested in working with. Okay, so you've gone out, you've you've beat the bushes, whatever, and you found fifteen companies, right? Mm -hmm. Now you got to go to Lauren, right? Because then you got to say, okay, Lauren, I need you to find farmers to test test these products. Is that right? We actually have a farmer network already in place, um, in all over the country. So okay. we started in Tennessee. Um, and so the Mid-South is one of the main regions. Warren is in Iowa, so he is connected with all of the farmers in Iowa. We also have farmers in Oregon and Oklahoma and a few scattered elsewhere. So they're already part of our farmer network. And if a startup says, you know, I want to be a part of this accelerator, they will come through the whole selection process. If they get selected, then they get to work with farmers like Lauren and others who are in our network. Perfect. Um, one thing you might want to add there, Sarah, is explain the farmer selection panel and that, I mean, the farmers are involved from day one. That's a great point. Um, so I alluded to kind of our selection. So any startup, any ag tech startup can apply on our website. And then what happens is the farmers themselves who are part of the network and part of the LLC actually get to vote on the technologies that go into the accelerator. So they decide the teams and the um, companies that are then trialed, right? Because they wanna make sure that they're good technologies that are very relevant to the agriculture industry and they will help them on farm. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, it doesn't matter if this is a company that's just out of its infancy or if they've been trying to 
to get get promoted for 20 years doesn't matter, right? Um, <laughs> well, you're going to have to ask the farmers that, but we do have programs from everybody, you know, that are just thinking about an idea, right? Like they have this idea in their head. They would go into one of our boot camps where um, we also, like I said, the accelerator program is for companies that are slightly more advanced. They do have a prototype to trial. They might have started raising money, but probably haven't started raising a lot. Um, and so are kind of in that stage. That's the stage we're looking for for the Agilent 365 accelerator program. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess I don't know a lot. Of, I'm I'm learning here too this evening. Um, was it, would it be would it be safe to say that this is like a competition? Then I mean, once you get down to your group, I mean, they're competing to win this thing, right? They are competing for a seat in Egg Lunch 365 Accelerator and Farm Trials. Yes. And and that's got to be a big deal. It is. And the farmers make the decision. So if they're selected, it has the farmer vote of approval, which yeah. goes a long way in oh, yeah. actually commercializing their technology and raising money. Yeah. Folks, anybody out there listening tonight, uh, thanks for coming on board. You've got an opportunity here. If you've had, if you know anybody that has got a company or you have a company, now's the time. This is the this is the platform right here. And I want to get to Pete in just a minute, but one more thing, Sarah. Do you folks are running um I don't know what the term would be, a blitz, or you're trying to get as many people to come in as you can right now, right? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So right now is the open open application period. We only have it one time a year. Right now, we might change that in the future, but it's going until September 4th. So if you have an ag tech startup that you think would be a good fit for this program, you want to get your technology, your product into the hands of farmers, you want farmer feedback, you want to really accelerate your product, this is the program for you. And we can um, definitely help with that. Yeah, this is great. I love this. I just love this idea because this is how... Um, a company who really does, may or may not know where to turn can start to get a voice for their product. And, and then if their product is, is, is worth using or, or, or valuable, then they're going to get the farmer stamp of approval, which is even a greater thing. So I just love this whole concept. So, so Pete, take us, take us back here. Um, what in the world you know, gave you this idea to, to get this program started. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mentioned uh, earlier about just our work with alternative crops. And so one of the things we did, this was all the way back in 2008, um, as we were struggling, as, as you guys probably all know, anytime you try to bring a new crop to market, the cycle is sort of, you got a promoter, somebody with the idea, you know, hemp's been one of the latest rises and falls. You go out and get some farmers growing it. Often they get left with grain in the grain bin or bales in the field. And yeah. so we just realized we need to build a network of farmers at that point to vet new crop opportunities. And so we ran trials at the experiment stations, everything on things like we had a customer that wanted um, high heuristic acid rate seed. So canola, but with higher, you know, long chain fatty acids for different types of applications. Or we had another customer uh, or set of customers that wanted sweet sorghum, the juice like you would make in a syrup at the fair, but they wanted it as a, as a material to go into 
fermentation products, different types of, um, you know, distilled spirits and all that. So we had these customers on one end, and then we worked with different seed companies on the other end. But this network of farmers was sort of the base of putting these types of projects and stuff together. And as I mentioned, you know, we probably tried 10 of those extremely hard once you get through the first few phases to scale up. So we took that same approach in the ag tech. And this was, you know, um, if you're following all this venture world stuff, what you kind of need to know is that, uh, you know, the Silicon Valley kind of folks were investing in companies. They sort of heard the the promotion from the commodity boards and agriculture, you know, we got to feed the world, you know, 9 billion people by 2050. Right. Right, well, we should start putting investment money into to, to ag. And sort of in the middle of that frenzy, I was realizing there's no farmers at the table here. This is folks that are generally ill-informed, bringing all this new money into ag, that really their job in their minds is to spin up a little company and then sell it to Bayer or a Corteva or something like that. And so uh, we, we just sort of rebirthed the network of farmers that was in 2015 and then started building these other pieces around it um, with, again, the idea of empowering farmers to be the ones driving innovation and ensuring that the types of companies that get built are um, beneficial to farmers long-term. And that might sometimes be through a big company, but often that's gonna be through building companies that are entirely different, built for farmers and mines first, and not uh, you know how a company or somebody that's buying your grain or something like operates. So yeah. A little long-winded there, Rick, but that it gives you a little bit of a sense of the evolution. No, no, I like the long answers because they're very thorough in, in, in explaining. I appreciate that. So this is kind of a cool thing. I'm, the first thing I'm thinking of is you're like you're like basically at some point here at the beginning, you were like reversing the, the, the scenario here. You had a customer that wished there was somebody who had had a technology that could help them with their product, right? Yeah, very much so. And that still remains our philosophy. I mean, we have this theory of change that um, I sort of tried to talk about earlier that, you know, the future is going to be much more, you know, nutrient dense food, carbon negative farms, and from a farmer perspective, more equitable ownership in the value chain where we're not just price takers. And so we see all this, whether it's carbon is the opportunity to push farming and the platform of farmers and independent farms as the sort of center of agriculture as it should be and not yeah. just the customer for big companies or whatever. And so with that in mind, you know, we try, even as we select what companies to participate with and invest in, we're trying to select things that create um, opportunities to be solvent now and to stay in business and improve our bottom line now, but create a bridge to the future, um, even as we work with each one of the startups. And so it really is that end in mind, working backwards and then trying to listen to where we think the markets are gonna go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like that. You know, it's, it's like, you know, yesterday Lauren alluded to the fact we had some training here and it was, it was awesome. And the first thing I did, you know, all these folks show up and who am I to, to say what, what they want to hear me talk about. So the first thing I did was I got an erasable board up and I said, give me your questions. What is it you'd like for me to answer? You've driven, you've flown or driven a long way to get here. What is it you'd like to hear from me? And that's how we and that's kind of what, so we backed into and then satisfying their needs instead of me trying to figure out, well, what, what do I think they're going to want to hear? So I, I can relate to this very easily. 
but I, and I, I love that Rick and I'm sorry without being on the video it's hard to get the dynamic but you know we've all been victim might be a strange word but an agricultural philosophy that I would say is not super humble we grow these commodities we do that for these kind of companies everything's a process everything's a recipe and you know we all know I'm assuming on this call that it is much more complex than that with much more humble and that system yeah. that we've kind of gotten to know the last 60 years, we're seeing the fault lines all up and down that system. And, and so that approach that you have of like taking this knowledge you have that can be plugged into multiple areas, you know, you can extend that same thinking to indigenous people groups with different types of diverse seeds or production practices, but there's this wealth of knowledge that doesn't fit formulaically that needs to be brought into agriculture um and so we see you know technologies new business models is in service of that philosophy yeah yeah it's awesome yeah well i'm going to come back to you pete i want to jump to lauren here so lauren um farm trials tell us what what's that mean what what, what do you mean oh through the whole process the companies they line up and you know they they explain how they want to test their products and the farmers are all part of the formulation of that test, you know, setting everything up to the parameters that need to be done and just sitting down and figuring out, you know, we're still learning how to set some of that up. You know, just since I've come on board, we're learning the whole process a little more even how yeah. to help the farmer, you know, and help the you know, conversation between the corporation and the farmer. You know, it, it's a learning process for both. But when you sit down and start seeing the changes happening live stream, it's great. And, you know, the success ratio, I think, is pretty, maybe people touch on that after a bit here, but the success ratio of what the companies are doing right now is really impressive. And, you know, for me, you know, one company showed up here this past spring and in three hours, we kind of redesigned his product. And then, you know, two weeks ago, we've seen the seen the revised product and folks in Tennessee will get to see that next week. So there you yeah, go. It, it's just that but fluid. That's, that's right up your alley, Lauren. You like to, you like to tinker and, and try to see if you can make things better. Well, that, that's, that's the beauty of the whole farmer trial network is we try to tailor the companies to the farmer and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that starts from day, like I said, day one in that selection process, you know, the farmers are all comparing notes and, you know, vote on them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a neat process. And, you know, the thing I've seen over the years doing this now is watching these companies grow. It's almost like watching your kids grow when you sit down and, you know, and it, it's just, you, the farmer takes ownership the day we start working with them. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just love this whole concept. I love this whole thing. So, Sarah, how long have you been with the company? I have been with AgLunch about a year and a half. Okay, year and a half. Great. Yeah. So, tell us, uh, if you can, again, I don't know what you can and can't talk about. But if you can't, that's fine. What are some of the successes that have, you know, come through, gone through the accelerator program, and now they're out blossoming and, and doing, doing well? Yeah, no, I would be happy to um, talk about our successes. Yeah. So, some of the early companies that people may know of, um, Continuum Ag with Mitchell Hora, Rantizo, uh, Grain Weevil, I'm EarthSense, I'm which is another robotic company. Yeah. Um, 
trying to think through all of them. Organics, which is a amendment. Um, Pete, if you, if you think of some that I'm forgetting, please yep. chime in. Where's, whole, where's the organics from? Where's that one from? Um, they're, one of their founders, I believe, is in the Kansas area, okay. Ohio. I but, think I know the company, I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so Pete, what are, who are some of the, you know, some of these successes you've had? Yeah, I mean, Sarah touched on those, but kind of unpacking those just a little bit more, um, Rantizo would be a good example. Um, you know, they were invested in by our partners, Ag Ventures Alliance in Iowa, the first field trials, and this is, if for folks on the on the call here, uh, Rantizo is an aerial spray um, drone technology. So right okay. now it's being used to spray chemicals and, and cover crop uh, applications. Um, in the future, we envision that being an enabling technology for dramatically reducing the amount of chemicals that get sprayed based on using them only when you need them precisely and or being a platform for, for more biology. But if you kind of think the full cycle, our partners in Iowa wrote the first one, you know, this was just two geeks in a garage wrote the first $25,000 check. This is Ag Ventures Alliance, um, the co-op we partnered with in Iowa. And then uh, the next generation of that company was running field trials at that point in Tennessee with Tennessee farmers like Scott Fullen and Grant Norwood and others in West Tennessee, kind of doing what exactly Lauren said, kicking the tires, helping it grow. And then as that company's evolved, you know, it's gotten real investment money, venture capital, that whole shtick. But now it's in 28 states. But when we look at last fall, it had gone full circle and was back in West Tennessee as a drone package owned by one of our local co-ops, where they actually put in, you know, 5,000 acres plus of um, spraying when we couldn't get in the field, but more importantly, uh, putting cover crops out um, when we had wet seasons and others. So it's a good example of the full cycle. Yeah. A group of farmers owned part of the company helped get it up off the ground. And now we have a technology platform that's beneficial, um, at least incrementally, towards this goal of reducing chemicals, making it easier um, to get in and out, reducing soil compaction, things like that. And, and that, that is a good example of what we try to get when we see a win is, of course, you know, the investors have to make money. This whole system we're in now kind of has to work. But at the bottom line, it's bringing tools that really allow farmers to move along this continuum to the future. So Rantiza is a good example. Grain weevil, I'll touch on that one real quick, Rick, and I'll be quiet, but you know, this is this is a father-son team that were experts in robots in Nebraska who um, you know, had um, were exposed to several people losing their lives or being hurt seriously well, in grain bin accidents, having to climb in and out of the bin. And so, you know, they rolled their sleeves and built the technology. It's now won a global MIT innovation prize. Wow. And again, it was Nebraska, Iowa, Tennessee, all of us working across regions and state borders to run the field trials, get behind that company, attract investment capital, and get up and running. And, you know, it might turn into a multi-billion dollar huge company. It might be just a really good solid company, but that actually affects farmers saves lives and is okay well impact. pete let's just stay right there for just a minute so you got the father son they come to you folks <clears throat> excuse me they come to you folks they get into the program so what what's happened here to their company have they lost some ownership here of this of their company explain explain the mechanics of your 
your sister your sister company that's involved now? Yeah. So when, the way this works is when they come to us, we go through a whole process of vetting. I think Lauren and Sarah both talked about that pretty eloquently. Farmers are the ones who help pick out the companies. They're the ones who get engaged and commit to helping them scale, meaning taking it from idea and moving to commercial. When that happens and we all agree we're going to work on something together, that father-son team taking grain weevil as an example gives up a small yeah. amount of their company to the network of farmers. And that group of farmers, just think about it being like a, a, a technology co-op, for lack of a better, owns a percentage. And then we have two investment partners both backed by either farm type banks or farmers that also write a check into that company to help get them off the ground. So you're absolutely right. At that point on their, what we call capitalization table, their business structure, they have um, now new owners into the business. And what we try to do with that is make sure it's folks that are actually adding value. It's not just the cash, but it's the support in the system. And then as Sarah talked about, we then take them through a 90 day kind of helping them make sure they've got the business fundamentals and other things around their business to allow them to scale. And then a two year process of pretty sophisticated field trials with data being generated and then help them continue to grow and, and raise money into yeah. their business. Um, so that's kind of how yeah. it works. That, that's, that's fascinating. I mean, you know, you've got to give up a little bit of something to get a lot. So if I had a company that uh, that I needed help promoting, I would be all about giving away a small percentage just to get the thing promoted. So I love that. Um, and and I, I wanted to say, Rick, that, you know, with all this huge amount of interest, whether it's, you know, pension funds going into land acquisition, you know, investment, venture capital, that whole world, there's a bunch of other groups that do something similar with us but it's not for the farmers. It's first for just the investors. And um, and so companies have to, if there are folks listening and they have an idea or they know somebody that might have a startup, you have to be really careful that the part, you know, it's like, it's like a marriage. You want to be married to the right people. And so that you get with a group that can actually help you because a lot of folks, I won't call them competitors, groups that do things similar to us do it, you know, again, working for a big ag company or for a different type of outside investor that, you know, they may not have aligned goals, long-terms or values or see the same potential in the company. And I'll give you some examples if we get to that point in this discussion, but, but it's important, you know, for your listeners to understand if they do touch this startup innovation space to just make sure the partners that they get in bed with are folks that they feel really good about, that they're knowledgeable, they understand agriculture and, and they want the same thing in terms of outcome. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Um, hey, Sarah, tell us, please, how, how folks can get a hold of you here. This is we're talking with uh, Ag Launch. So t tell and Rachel, if you don't mind, would you type this in, please? Um, they can email me at S-V-A-R-B-L-E at egglaunch.com, or they can go on to our website where it has our contact information and it's Thank you, Rachel. It's um, egglaunch.com. Very simple. You can find me on there and my contact information. Folks, again, if you're listening, you got this is the time to ask questions. I know sometimes we get a little shy at the beginning and then at the end we just get bombarded. But now's the time. If you think you've got anything that might have any kind of a hint, you don't don't you don't make the decision. 
pitch, pitch your idea to these folks and let them let the farmer network decide. So, <clears throat> Lauren, let's go back to you real quick, uh, please. Let's talk about these farmer trials because this is you know this is how you this is how you vet a product. This is how you prove yes or no and. And you guys are trying, I mean, you don't, you don't assume that every one of these is going to work, come out of the gate and work, right? I mean, there's sometimes things don't work like you want them to, right? Well, that, that, that right there is the beauty of the, the whole plan. I mean, you know, I, I can think of one just here this summer, you know, they had a good plan and everything, but when you start getting out in the country, you start realizing the cell phone networks aren't the same everywhere and you might not have cell phone coverage everywhere. Uh -huh. And, you know, but that right there, that company, just watching how they pivoted through that, you know, I flew into Cedar Rapids one night, sat and talked to him four hours and just listening how he was going to change the whole plan. And it ain't quite worked hundred percent the way he had hoped, but he, he keeps tweaking and jiving. And that's the ones you really, you really know that they, their heart's in the right place and they're going to keep pushing. So the harder they push, the harder we push it is what I feel, you know, and then, you know, I'll talk about the Tennessee team, you know, Paul and Kelly and Gavin and that down there, you know, we're trying to get Iowa trial network up to where they're at. You know, they've got full agronomy and recommendations and all that. You're helping these companies and the farmers on the same, at the same time, learning how to utilize all this stuff. And, you know, that, that right there is a big asset, you know, and that that's probably the one thing, you know, we've been pushing here, you know, Tennessee, the state has jumped in to help them and we're trying to get, you know, Iowa hopefully jumps in. So, you know, that's what other states need to be doing is thinking how they can help farmers help these companies. And, you know, it's all going to come down to funding on some of that aspect. Yeah. So, you know, I just had a question. I lost it there. That's the way my brain seems to work anymore. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it could be it could be anything, right? I mean, what are some of the companies that have gone through that that maybe didn't didn't win the the con? I don't know if contest is the right word, but um, but maybe came in second or third. Now they can still blossom because of the exposure to this, right? Um. So we've yeah. had. Oh, go ahead, Pete. No, I was. Sarah, I'm sorry if I interrupted you. It's kind of awkward me just calling in. Um, yeah, what I will say is it is competitive, but we want, if an idea is good, what we don't want to do, Rick, is create an environment that if you don't have our stamp on it, it's somehow not deemed as good. So yeah. we try to get companies who think we can help. And that's, that's mainly hard, through though. farmers and the field trials and then get the other companies that we don't think they can help, but still have huge potential, get them where they need. And so some other groups that are similar to us, they do it more of just a contest. You got a winner and loser, big hyped up. This is a lot more about how do we build a portfolio of technologies that we can grow and sort of benefit. So just kind of wanted to, to, to point that out. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And Sarah, I'll, I'll let you finish with your, your answer there. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Sarah. I was just going to say, there are some companies that apply and just aren't at the right stage. It doesn't mean they're not good technologies and we're not interested in them. They're just not at the stage that we need them to be in for our program no. and to really integrate them into the trial program and everything. So um, we suggest that they apply again in the future when they are at the right stage. And yeah. 
I mean, I mean, I, you know, I'm sitting here listening to this and I, I'm, I'm getting like, like, uh, you know, Sarah, this is like a blend of, uh, of Shark Tank. It's a blend of The Voice. It's a blend of America's Got Talent. I mean, you know, you come and you do, and if you, if you can't quite, if you're not quite ready at the right time, come back next year and try it again. Exactly. And we do have teams who do that because we tell them, you know, you're not at the right stage, but we would love for you to apply again. So they do. Yeah. And, and see, that's only helping them. So I just love this whole concept. I, I, I really do. Um, we've got a question. Oh. Hang on. Just say, oh, go ahead, Lauren. What's your, what's your thought? Well, one of, the, one of the other advantages we didn't really talk about is the whole boot camp part and that and that's where they you know help the companies grow there to where they can do the pitch and learn how to do the pitch you know i i watched mitchell come up through the program you know how well he talks today he was pretty good when he started but if you you just see the way they get polished after they take them in and groom them and that yeah and you know that that's all part of the program that's a great point. We spend hours and hours helping teams with their pitches so that they can pitch to farmers, to investors, to other stakeholders, and just really finesse that. Um, so, yeah. Well, go go into that, sir, just a little bit deeper. This boot camp. So you've got a you've got a whole nother department of or is this is this the same people doing multiple tasks here? So it is the essentially the same team. We have arms across the country. I talked about our Oregon arm. We have one in Oklahoma, one yep. um, in the Knoxville area, and then a virtual one that I lead. So those are all the boot camps that we do over the summer. They are free of charge. Any ag tech startup can apply and really help them there's lots of different things, but different business acumen, like the legal side, marketing side, and pitching is a big part of that because we understand how important it is to start up. So we will help them practice, help them figure out what needs to be in their pitch, what they need to get rid of, and just help them finesse that. So just the whole business side of it that they need to think about for their company. See, that this is a very good point because I mean, my, again, my mind goes different places sometimes, but, you know, I'm thinking about somebody who's got an idea that doesn't have a clue on how to present their idea to the public, but yet they've got an, they know how to build the product that could maybe revolutionize something. Yeah, so, we have a lot of engineers come through that, like, have no idea about anything related to business, but they have an amazing product and they just need help on the business side. They yeah. need help figuring out how to talk about their product and all of these things. So, I mean, I'm also, Sarah, I'm also assuming here that you've got, I mean, you know, you they got to know how to keep the books. They got to know once this business gets up and going, they got to know how to, how do we bring money in and how do we pay our bills and, and, and how do we set this whole thing up? Yeah. It's an important part of running a business, as you know. Yeah. 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 This is great. I, I just, I, what I'm really, what I'm really feeling here is that you, you folks are genuine and you truly care. You're not taking advantage of anybody and you're truly trying to help this company move up and rise to the top, which then helps farmers across the whole spectrum here. 
That's absolutely right. I would say we're all so passionate about agriculture, about helping farmers and helping the industry, because as you said, it moves everybody up. It helps all of the farmers. Um, and just, we want, we know there's a need. Um, we know you have needs. Lauren has needs as a farmer and we want to help identify solutions to solve those. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, Lynn has a, has a question. Does this contest process use NDAs? Anybody want to? That's a good, uh, that's a good question. Does everybody know what that means? No, let us know what that means. Yeah, I mean, what the most cynical, so that's a non-disclosure agreement and there's a whole world. I just actually got somebody emailed me one today. Uh, you know, the lawyer venture capital world of getting, you know, signing these documents to make sure we're not going to disclose the things that somebody's working on or they're not going to disclose that with us. So um, our philosophy on NDAs are, generally speaking, we build trust with with folks. And there's a lot of groups just like other kind of legal kind. There's a lot of people that like sign stuff and never really follow through what they sign. So the first thing we do is we take trust very seriously. And if we hear an idea from somebody, if, if it's original, we would protect that to the grave. And so we do occasionally sign something like that to answer the person's question. If um, it really is, you know, we've gotten to a point of a discussion where like, we think they got something, there's some very proprietary details. Um, so we, we wouldn't mind if we had to, but what we don't do, and I would be weary of groups that are constantly sending out NDAs to everybody because um, it just kind of shows they're not building a real culture of trust and in peer-to-peer relationship, but it's just starting out kind of overly contractual. So I don't know if that helps the, the person ask that question, but, um, but yeah. you know, we've got a pretty distinct philosophy on that. Yeah, and then, and then Lynn goes on to ask, what does the boot camp cost? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, the the uh, the boot camp and we do some other entrepreneurship. Um, you know, people pay their own travel costs or their accommodations if they um, get into one of those programs. But those are really a chance for you know a company that's really just getting off the ground to come and learn for us to learn about them, start building a relationship. So so that's all funded with with grant money and and some of the other ways that we get supported by USDA and SBA and other groups like that. So there's no there's no cost other than the cost of being there, and we try to like do as much food, but as much as we can on our dime to keep the burden low. And I would say that specifically for the boot camps, which we were talking about, are for earlier stage startups. And then if a company wants to is accepted into and wants to participate into Ag Launch 365, we do ask for equity in the company. And that goes directly back to the farmers who help trial the technology and provide all of the feedback about how the company is set up, what the marketing looks like, you know, the go-to-market process, all of those things. We don't keep that. That will go to the farmers. Um, and it just really helps, you know, helps the farmer goes back into those rural economies. Yeah. Well, what a great way to pay your people who are researching the product because now they've got a little piece of that company now. And if that thing takes off, it's payday. 
So exactly. I, I love the whole concept here. This, kudos to, to you guys. This is awesome. Um, hey, Lynn, if you don't mind me asking, do you, um, do you have a product or know of somebody that, that, that you think could fit into this program? Uh, we're going to continue to talk, but if you don't mind, would you please, uh, if you would, would you answer that question, please? Um, so, and this, there's just so many places we could go with this. Um, so, Pete, tell me, tell me again. You, you alluded to it earlier about about, and and I don't want you to get into specifics here, but you know, there's some people out there or some firms out there that may try to take advantage of certain situations. And you were, you were talking about that. So again, what makes you folks so much different than that? Yeah. Um, but the, the, the key point, you're just gonna keep this over and over. We work for farmers because we want to make agriculture different and better consistent with things that you and um, others we interact with believe in. And we think that the technologies, innovation, job creation engines should be for that end. And, you know, I've spent my whole career trying to figure out, you know, in our neck of the woods, we have, you know, we're held hostage by the fact we have the Mississippi River. We can export commodities so inexpensively. We can never build any value-added processing here. Um, we really are not in control of our own destiny in commercial agriculture on the farm side. So, um that's why we do this. And we end up finding uh, obviously farmers that want to be in the network that are innovative, but even the startups want to come to us because often they're folks that also, you know, they want to make money from their company, but they're idealistic. They want to feed people. They want to do good things with their, for their innovation. And so you kind of juxtapose that. And I'm not throwing stones at anybody. And, you know, we're in a capitalistic society and all good with all that. But, you know, a lot of roots, it's about how do you build something and flip it or get it acquired from a big company for everybody to get a payout with maybe that being emphasized more than the what this is actually beneficial to on the farm end or the farm um, economy. And I'm going to give I'm going to give you a specific if you don't mind, Rick. Yeah. Yeah. So and this this is not I mean I want to make sure everybody understands we're all operating in an agricultural paradigm that we have to we have to move incrementally we have to work with structures um, many that have worked in very good ways that we can continue to adapt and learn from but you know we have a goal for example just a, a humanitarian goal a, a technology goal of we don't want especially if you look at places that are high diverse crops and vegetables. We don't want laborers in the field um, getting sprayed by harmful chemicals, doing backbreaking work. We would like to replace that with robots and innovation. And we believe that will create more jobs in the long run and a better overall agricultural paradigm, no harmful chemicals on workers, no backbreaking, breaking labor and, and upskill everybody. So we kind of have that belief. And so we sit and we watch, uh, for example, um, companies that are created to address that, maybe robots that can pick weeds or thin lettuce and others. And often, you know, good story, they're doing something very consistent with what we would want done, replacing labor that's not in a good position. And then when those companies end up getting acquired um, by a bigger company, you know, the investor makes money, the people that start the company make money, all of that is working but those technologies often get swallowed 
into a big company and don't fulfill their potential of replacing labor that's not good labor in the field, they end up going into maybe replacing a tractor driver in a cab or autonomy of a big piece of equipment. And uh, that would just be an easy example of kind of going, you know, we're in this paradigm, the big companies do what they're going to do. We have to build technologies that actually benefit the farmers, the innovators, not just where we are now, but where we want the future to be in agriculture. And, and often just the, the, the forces at work move it in a different direction than that. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, trying to be politically correct in the way I talk about that. But, you know, yeah. this is all about who's going to make the money off this, but also is the goal really helping, um, you know, helping the farmer or is it about helping the folks that have made the investments and, um, you know, own the technology? And we think there's a better way to do that. Yeah, I understand. Thank, thanks for the explanation. That was great. Um, so, so Lynn, Lynn's saying we are on the health side more than technology. I, I don't, I don't know if that would make any difference here. I mean, uh, Lynn, do you think you've got a product that uh, that you need to get in front of these folks? Let's see if uh, let's see if Lynn comes back. So, um, Lauren, what am I missing here? I uh, would no, say not, not yet. He says not yet. Okay. okay. I was going to say, I um, we do have a company in this previous year's cohort that is on the animal health side and tests fecal matter in hog barns to just identify any viruses and um, is very cutting edge in their technology. So, you know, it even if it is on the health side more, it may pertain to um, helping farmers. And that's really what we're interested in. Yeah. So, you know, and I understand, I, I mean, Lynn, I, I kind of, I mean, I don't know where you're coming from, but I do understand that if you don't think your product's ready, you know, you may not want to um, share your ideas yet, but you just never know because I'm sure these folks have seen just about everything at all levels of, of um, you know, beginning to almost a company that's ready to go. Uh, and I don't want to I don't want to persuade you to do something, but I'm just saying uh, they are in their window now of taking taking these applications. So just just consider it. Um, we have Ed Bourgeois. Ed's on every week. How you doing, Ed? How do the uh, trial farmers making the decisions work together on the process? So, Lauren, you want to tackle that one? Oh, we will be starting a series of meetings here. When is that? In September or sometime, Sarah? And we, we go, it'll last several weeks. And it's, it's not an easy task, but it's a worthy task. And, uh, you know, I think every one of us that's been involved in it will drop, you know, all park combine to sit in on the meetings. And, uh, you know, just the chance to learn and see all this, you know, it, it's pretty neat to see it happen. And, uh, you know, the payoff is when you get to sit there and work with the companies and see it through to the end. Yeah. And, uh, like I said, what's that? You, uh, we started September, October. We judge in November, I believe. Kind of the final is usually in March, isn't it? Yeah. So I can go into a little bit more depth. Yeah, please do. Um, Warren definitely has. He's been on the, you know, selection and voting committee for a lot of years, but um, application deadline is September 4th, 
And then what we'll do is we are going to ask all of the companies to submit a five minute five minute video of who they are, you know, kind of a pitch. And we're going to send that out to all of the farmers who are in our farmer network and say, please vote. And we ask them to answer three questions. Is this technology relevant to me on my farm? Is this technology relevant to the agriculture industry? And would I trial this on my farm? Yeah. Then we take all of those votes, we tally them up, and the companies that rank the highest are invited to a challenge week. So we bring those companies into Memphis for a week where we kind of look under the hood, we see if it's a good match for us, if it's a good match for them, um, and dig in a little bit deeper. And then they pitch again, and the farmers get another chance to vote on whether or not they move forward to the accelerator program and the farm trial program. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. I, I, I know I've said this a lot, but I just love this whole, the whole platform you guys have. Um, it's fair. It's honest. Um, so, you know, Sarah, I would assume that you've got, you know, I don't know, 15 companies that show up in Memphis, right? Whatever, whatever that number is. Mm -hmm. I assume it's 15 plus. And I'm assuming that not only are these companies learning individually from you folks, but they're also learning from the other companies that are there competing against them. And they're, they're learning, to, oh man, I never thought about doing that. Or, wow, I love the way they're, they're presenting their product. I mean, that's gotta go on, right? Absolutely. And just the networking, like being able to talk to other entrepreneurs who are in an early stage and just yeah. trying to figure things out and be like, so that's how you do that. That's great. And like yeah. you use so-and-so for your accounting and finance or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Like you're just sharing information. They're building relationships and it's just really really um a great opportunity for them yeah to to memphis and learn yeah let's uh let's see what we got here kenton uh did i miss it coming in late how do farmers get involved can you uh, sarah can you go through that again please your timeline here um i'll well, bet I'll, sarah i'll bet he's referring to the uh network farmer network Yes, uh, that's what I was going to ask if okay. you're referring to the Farmer Network. Um, Pete, do you want to tackle that one? Yeah, so we um, we're right now, I think Sarah said this earlier, at 55 farmers in 10 states, concentrated Tennessee first, then Iowa, and sort of spreading out these other regions. And what I'll say is people often say, like, man, this is a clever idea. You said a cool time, a couple times, Rick. This is pretty cool. Um, it also is extremely hard to get farmers to all be aligned and get around something. So when we recruit new farmers, you know, we have a formal process. There's an application. Um, there's sort of a cooling off period where they do some things with us. And then the farmers that are actually in the, in the LLC, the business, um, over time, bring new farmers into that business. And so we do have active um, farmers that are working in, um, uh, some of the states that Sarah mentioned. So the, the next and easiest thing to do um, is if you are a farmer and want to be involved, um, email any of the three of us. I think Sarah and Laura both, Lauren both gave their uh, emails earlier and, and we can get you um, kind of going along on the process. Um, Lauren also 
kind of mentioned Iowa. What we like to do is find a core group of farmers somewhere that's aligned with us and then work with their local state department of ag and maybe other resources to make sure those farmers get our support but also state or local support um, to, to help them with cost of running trials and other things like that. So a uh, lot to unpack there, but um, easiest first answer is send us an email. Yeah, I'll tell you right now from everything I've heard, I'd be, it'd be an honor to be part of the farmer network. So um, I think, I think this is a We're great sign you up, Rick. Yeah. Well, we can talk about it. We can talk about it tomorrow, Pete. How about that? He, he's already taken the first step. We've got him doing a voyage trial. So, yeah, first yeah. step is the most important one. Well, what I, I mean, we're all about trying to help people here. I mean, that's what that's what all of us on this call are all about. I mean, we just came off of two days of training. We gave up a lot of our time, but we understand what repercussions can happen from that two days. And it's going to be huge. It'll, the ripple effect will, will go around the world, not just the United States here. So, um, and that's what you guys are trying to do. You're trying to not only support and help these upcoming companies, but you're trying to help and support the farmer. I mean, right now, my gosh, this might be the most expensive crop farmers have ever put in in their lifetime. And that in itself is a lot of pressure. And if markets don't rally or if yields don't come along or your insurance payments don't kick in, that's not good. So we always need these new ideas that maybe could save us $10 an acre or keep a bin from going out of going out of condition there we go there's pete must have power back on pete unmute yourself and there you go and we can see you now um looks like you're in your war room there what what's happening there around you so i am uh in i guess what you call an urban farm so i have a studio where i do half of our, my work this is my favorite place to work so got a nice big library of books there and uh, stereo over here where I run play records at night when I'm typing and writing on stuff. So this is my main uh, my main work area. So outside to my left, I've got a little flock of chickens, big garden, and we're right in an uh, inner city neighborhood here in Memphis. That's awesome. And and I see the the, the boards of knowledge there. That's where all the uh, you get up at two in the morning and you walk out there and you start scribbling things down, right? Yeah, that's where I was drawing my uh, my uh, picture graphs of the uh, sugar beets and the yeah. you know, potatoes and all that the other day. I don't know if you're like me, Pete, but I don't know what it is at two 2.30. That's my time. I wake up at 2.30 and my brain is on fire. And it's more than, than, it's more than three times a week. I mean, it's almost every night. Yeah. yeah, we're probably cut from the same cloth. I used to fight it, but now I just do it. It's part of that, that, that's a common denominator amongst all of us but pete pete brought something up i think was very critical that he said there and i want to make sure that gets hammered home size does not matter when it comes to this whole organization yeah right. you know what one of the neatest farmers i've met is right there from in i believe he's in memphis isn't he half what is he one acre yeah oh, well yeah ray tyler with rose creek yeah he's an hour east of here um one acre organic farm all under hoop houses and he's mastered 
um, turning over lettuce beds. And so he he generated $450,000 to fees oh. on an acre last year because he's oh delivered 52 weeks out of the year. And I mean, he's just amazing. He's got a great book on organic lettuce, um, but that's, yeah, that's Rose Creek Farms. And Lauren's right. This network of 55, it's complicated, but we've got urban aquaponic farmers. We've got some urban ag. We've got some small farmers. Um, the Oregon group by nature is a diversified group that does more vertical integration. And we see that as the strength of this. We can test things on multiple kinds of crops, yeah. but, a, but a main value for, for innovative farmers is we get to learn interesting things from each other and get exposures to markets and stuff that we wouldn't if we were insulated. So um, that's one reason we intentionally chase that sort of diverse types of farmers. Yeah. So, so Kenton, hopefully their question was answered, but basically email, contact the company, let them know who you are, where you are, and they will start the vetting process. So, um, you know, no guarantees, obviously, but um, uh, you never, you, you gotta, you gotta stick your name in the hat if you, if you want to have a shot at it. So. And we'll try to help if there's somebody that's got a good idea we're going to try to find a place for them. So there's the R program, but it's also, you know, we're surrounded by support from S SBA, other types of entrepreneurship group. So we're going to try to help, help somebody if they've got their heart in the right place and the right idea, find them somebody to help them if we can't. So, so Pete, do you have a, um, I mean, you're talking about multiple states here. So you got different rules, different laws. I mean, you've got to, you've got to have a pretty massive, uh, uh, legal team behind you to make sure all this minutiae gets lined up where it's supposed to, right? Yeah. Um, we're, it's, we're 16 people across the areas that, that Sarah brought up. So not huge. Um, I should say, you know, our company is a nonprofit organization. So one way we're able to take the burden off the farmer and the startups. So we deal with venture capital. We deal with all that commercially, but the, the core engine is funded by SBA, USDA groups that want to support this effort. Um, and you're right, it's complex to operate across multiple states and regions uh, for a lot of reasons. The benefit, and Tennessee has really been a leader in this, when they started investing in this, they recognized that our value proposition for our farmers goes way up if we can connect with farmers in other regions that are like-minded ah. or peer-to-peer, -peer, but also you think about bringing, let's just make a, you know, a water sensor. We're going to do a water sensor and that's going to be the technology. Well, if we can put that on rice in Arkansas and blueberries in the Willamette Valley and corn up in Iowa, that lifts all, all ships. And so that's the philosophy. We coined that the open innovation model that should by nature cross state borders and regions. And this is why we go to places like Oklahoma, you know, 40% of it is tribal land. So that brings a really interesting perspective, regenerative pasture groups like Noble Research Institute there adds a whole nother. So we're chasing the more complex and diverse yeah. sometimes with the business, the more, more we lean into it. Yeah. It's just, the more you talk and the more all three of you talk, the more comes out and it's just, it's just fascinating. Um, so what do you, you know, so Pete, what do you, what do you, I mean, what do you see for the future here? What do you see for uh, five years? Let me, let me just give you a five-year window. What, what do you see? Yeah. Um, 
in five years, a goal for us would be around that 200 and 250 farmers in one. Okay. Two, so that's, couple, that's, that's five times what you are now. Yeah. And it took a, you remember from when we wrote our business plan in 2016 till we ran, you know, started to scale, we kept it with four core farmers because wow. you know, when folks um, look at this business, often if they don't know agriculture, they're like, why didn't everybody do this? Well, it's hard as, you know, Hades to get farmers to interact and work together, time, all that. So um, we are starting to scale and we got to 55 from about 10, much faster than we got from four to 10, right? Because now that we're starting yeah. to build some institutional knowledge and understand how to do it. So we're going to get that group of farmers up. Uh, we are targeting by nature, those early adopter innovator farmers. Um, two is we've got to get at least one or two of our companies beyond just showing efficacy in the field, which a lot of them do. And we've got to flip that first check. That's just the honest reality. So over the yeah. next few years, we need a couple companies. I said all these bad things about acquisition and venture capital, but we need to do a little bit of that because yeah. we need those checks to turn. And well, that's yeah. cycle with a few of these. Um, and then thirdly, um, and we're in the midst of that, our company in five years is going to be working with technologies and innovations that are enabling the kind of stuff I think you dream about, we dream about the next generation of how we do things. And yeah. so that's where we're going to be. Now I'll tell you where I think we're going to be in 10 years, but we can do that as another question. No, no, go, go ahead, go 10, let's hear it. I mean, our, you know, our, our, I don't want to say it's a full ag launch theory of change. My theory of change that we think about and talk about is, you know, if you think about the vineyard industry, right? the Ava districts, you've got Sonoma, you've got districts that because of their unique soils, climate, types of grapes, they've got this value added product. Well, you know, one of our farm partners, Scott Fullen, he got approached a couple of years ago by an Israeli company that came to him and they said, you are the best person, your farm's the best place to grow millet in a farmer over in Texas, this certain kind of millet that they needed for a value added product. And yeah. Scott's like, you mean West Tennessee? They're like, no, your farm. And he said, do you mean Ripley? No, your farm. And they use satellite imagery and AI and other things to really pinpoint him and another down to a specific river really? bottom farm based on geography, based on climate is the best way. And they did field trials and everything, and they were right. They did comparables in wow. those two places. That's where the world's going. And so, you know, if you're in the Midwest and you're number one in corn and soybeans, you got huge processing. That's probably going to stay about that way. But if you're a place like Tennessee that's diverse, other places, it's going to look more and more value-added products, diversity, and where you're putting the best crop in the base geography over time. So we really lean into that sort of this being a enabling idea. And we lean into this idea that there's 30,000 identified crops that have some kind of property that would be good for mankind. And so it's an almost unlimited, you get into what you were talking about earlier, how we do different crops together, what's then happening with the microbiome and all that, you know, that is kind of the platform we lean into when we think about innovation. Um, and so we're going to see more and more of that. You know, you see a lot of indicators now um, of people willing to buy really crazy foods. We didn't know what they were and other things that sort of help us lead in that path. Yeah, yeah that's great. Lauren, uh, we haven't heard heard from you in a, in a few moments here. Any uh, any anything I'm missing here? Oh, I just probably you know 
I like listening to Pete, but let it unfold there. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing I keep coming back to, you know, one of the biggest differences between Iowa and Tennessee program is the funding and that, you know, that that's what we need, uh, you know, as we try to expand and bring more areas on to, to duplicate the potential in t- Tennessee is that's going to probably be the biggest hurdle I see. Well, now, I, I, Pete, you got to help me here because you told us you're a 501c3. Um, is, that, is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Our core organization is a, and where we keep the employees and everything is a nonprofit. Okay. All and, right. we do, and we do that, Rick, to keep from getting money from groups that might not be aligned with us and taking money from groups that would be interested. I understand. But if a if there was a, and you vetted this company, you vetted them out, and there was a, a hedge fund that was a, a regenerative hedge fund, let's call it, that, that had profits that needed to invest in other areas than back into the fund itself, could you accept money from groups like that? Yeah, and we would channel that directly into like our investment fund and into the startups themselves. So, you know, on the like enabling platform, we try to keep it pretty pure in that we take yeah. money from folks that are aligned with where we're going, that we don't have a big company under the hood. And again, it sounds like I'm a big company hater, but you can't build a small autonomous tractor if John Deere's in the middle of it. That doesn't mean they won't be in it when we scale. It's just not going to get off the ground. So we try to protect that space. But as companies are growing, we've got plenty of different vehicles and partners that have vehicles to take, like in your scenario, a private investment money and put it into companies. Yeah, because, you know, obviously you laid out the mechanics of it here. I mean, Tennessee sounds like a very open-minded, uh, at least at this point in time, a very open-minded type state. And we run into these difficulties where you just can't seem to make any headway in, in some areas. And, and um, you know, and, and now I get to, and I'm, I'm starting to put these pieces together. So you said earlier, we got to get, we got to, we need to show some real success stories, which then in turn, will start to get some of these people to kind of change the way to look at this. Yeah. And I think it, if, in, you know, this is kind of our business we've had to learn but every state has an economic development department. Sure. Department of Ag that's interested in building and all that. And what often happens in our neck of the worlds in the South is the economic development department fights with Alabama about where the auto plant's going to be located or where yeah. one of these big. And yeah. that thinking, unfortunately, has come into this startup world where a state is competing with another state of where literally a four person company that's barely off the ground is going to locate. And what our state did that was pretty revolutionary is they said, no, the farmers are the small business we're supporting. They're in every rural county. They're now in the urban counties. Those are the businesses. Let's start with the farmer and say, if they get connected in to a startup even if it's in Iowa, we use Rantizo as the drone example. If the farmers in Tennessee have an ownership stake, they get the, to help shape the technology, they get access to it in a first mover, that's economic development yeah. because it's supporting the farmer. And so that's what we call the open innovation model. And again, the value proposition goes up for everybody by sharing. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to call that. I'm going to call that closing the loop is what I call that because you've just become... You've, you've gone full circle and you're, you're now create, you've started with the startup, which has gone around, helped the farmer, and now everyone's lift, all tides are lifted. So 
Yeah. Hey, I saw a comment in the chat, Rick. Sorry, and I'm a loud mouth. I talk a lot, so you have to forgive me. I was enjoying being on the the stuff, but the um, I think there was a, about Iowa being a pigeonhole. No, I don't know. I didn't okay. see. Uh, oh, I, right, just, right. I want to make sure Lauren said a few things about Iowa. Um, I was. I don't know if you know. I was up there yesterday, Lauren, in Des Moines, and got to uh, spend a minute with Secretary Nag, and he is open to a proposal. And what I want to do is make sure we give a shout out in Iowa to Ag Ventures Alliance, which is our partner. They've basically taken the Tennessee model, employed Lauren and funded trials for the last three years to kind of show it would work. And awesome. uh, I'm not gonna put Secretary Nag on the spot, but you know, he we talked yesterday and he's expecting a proposal from us to figure out how to kind of keep building on that. So um, I just wanna make sure Iowa has been the first big partner we had out of the gate that's allowed us to kind of grow. And I think it's only gonna get more. Yes, and I mean, when Wendy just hit on that perfect in the chat there, you know, that Secretary Nag, we've been working on him through the community college program and that, you know, the one thing we've been asking specifically is like the state land grant universities and that have the research farms, they are fully fed funded. Why aren't like the community colleges and that set up for demonstration farms? And I think that's where we could probably tie into very nicely and help these you know, th th this is farmer focused, farmer driven. And, you know, if you want, I can kind of touch upon the Ag Venture Alliance a little bit, but, uh, you know, th this is what it's all about when, you know, a lot of what Rick and I talked about the last two days at his farm. And I, I did finally hear you were in Iowa with Pete. I wish I'd have known that I could have met on I-80, but, yes. uh, you know, it, th this is what it's all about. You know, for Ag Venture Alliance, they start, you know, just celebrated their 25th anniversary. You know, they started as a, they built an egg co-op and then they sold that, built a ethanol plant, sold that. And that's about the time they started realizing the venture capital aspect. And, you know, the fund, you know, we would love to get to where Tennessee is and, you know, we're trying to work behind the scenes the same time we're working out front to make some of this happen. So yeah. thank you, Wendy, for that question. And if you need to, I'll, I'll get in touch with a few people. Yep. Yeah. And, and Wendy's got a good closing comment there. Our soils here are a lot to protect. You better believe it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing what you can do when you get a lot of like-minded people together, you know, you can kind of move, turn that battleship and start heading in a different direction here. So yeah, thank thank you everyone for the comments, Sarah. We I've left you out of here for a while. Let's come back to you. What what am I what am I missing here, Sarah? What tell us what we haven't talked about? Anything? Is there something we need to know? Oh, that's a loaded question. Well, no, come on, you know what I mean. I mean, what else? What other hidden little trinkets do you have in there? Um, goodness. I'm not quite sure what what we've missed. I'm sure what, you, got, you got anything in the pipeline, Sarah, you've already seen of incoming applications that you could tease out that seem cool. Um, we have a lot in the pipeline, actually. We've had um a good number of companies have applied. There's everything from robotics to soil amendments, um, to you know, the whole spectrum, livestock. Um, health things. And so I talked to one today that was, um, had a, a little meter to see, you know, even just like 
worms and sheep, right? Like, so it's just kind of all over the board and a lot of that. And honestly, that made me really excited because, you know, I know you have sheep, Rick. I have sheep. And so if you can test really quickly, if your sheep have, you know, worms and the load and stuff, like the, the egg load, like it's, really helpful for you as a farmer so yeah um, Yeah. all these different types of things yeah well you know again it's just see i'm fascinated by by new technology because there there are so many smart people out there and then every day i'm like wow that that's cool you know whatever whatever that wow was it's like never even thought about that before and it's all it's all coming. I don't I don't know what farming is going to look like in ten years. It's not going to look anything like it does today. And no. and we better be on board, and we better be be you know willing to change and and be flexible and and all of these things. So, uh. well, again, folks, questions. Now is the time because you know everyone's time is valuable. We're going to start shutting this down. Uh, get questions here. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask all three uh, folks here this evening to give us their closing comments. This has been an extremely educational, and uh, I am I'm just fascinated by your 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 platform, your approach. So thank you so much for being on the show, Sarah. Let's just start with you. Can you just take us uh, some closing comments and and let us know what you're thinking? First of all, I just want to say thank you um, for having us, Rick. I um, I did see there's a few comments in there. I'm gonna yeah. finish mine, and then we can have that. But we are accepting, you know, like I said, early stage ag tech startups that have a protocol or a, a prototype to test in the field with farmers. Um, Anything from, you know, something that could help row crops to livestock to specialty crops to anything in between. As we talked about, we have farmers in all of those areas, which is amazing and across the United States. And we're able to, we can, we've had trials across the country of one product and they have come out different. And that's the beauty of figuring it out our uh, farmer network and with Ag Lunch. So if you do have a startup or if you know of somebody who has a technology that's kind of in that space, please send them our direction. We would love to talk to them. Um, AgLunch.com is kind of where you can find all the information. Please feel free to reach out, but yeah. we're really excited to talk to you. Well, well you're welcome, Sarah. Thanks for coming on. Um, so another question real quick, Sarah. So let me, let's go back to what you, you said earlier. Um, so let's say I've got a product and, you know, and I'm like, eh, you know, and I, I come on and, and you bring me in. Are you going to, are you going to, you know, strategically and, and professionally say, you know what, Rick, you got a nice idea, but let's, did you ever think about this or, or maybe your approach should be this instead of that? I mean, are you doing that? Yes. Yeah. One of the benefits of having the farmers have equity in your company, yeah. is they are vested in your success, right? Like they will tell you, Lauren will tell you, any of the other farmers will say, you know what? Like, I see you're going this direction, yeah. but you might want to think about going this direction. And this might be a better fit for you. 
we do that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's constructive criticism. So that's helpful. Yeah. 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 I love that. All right. Well, in the I would, I would say, Rick, on the to build on what Sarah said, we've never had a technology that came to us that ended up anywhere close to what it started with. Really? And there's a big jump. Now it's still going to be a robot, but now it needs to have a rope. Now it's got ground clearance. It can actually run down a furrow, whatever. So, and, and there's actually, if you, if you, you know, look at the investing landscape in the ag tech, just assume that there's a huge disconnect between oh, what's yeah. being advertised about the companies and reality. Yeah. So yeah. we've had companies that have raised a lot of money that got to us and like, oh, I wish somebody had told us how farming actually worked way early <laughs> in the evolution and didn't just feed in the hype. So just want to build on what Sarah said, because it, I mean, it's phenomenal. We've never had anything yet that worked the way that they said it would work when we were like getting pitched. That 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 kind of that's kind of surprising, but yet maybe not so much surprising. So again, when you're you're not you're not in that mindset to go to the masses, you're in the mindset to build something that no one's seen before. You know, I get it. I totally get it. Pete, I'm gonna I'm gonna end with you. So uh, Lauren, hang on just a second. Wendy wants to know, Sarah, Wendy Johnson again. Anything in the pipeline to test nutrient density of foods? This is a big topic, big hot topic. You got anything, Sarah? Um, I haven't. So I have just briefly scanned the applications. I haven't seen anything in depth about it. But Wendy, if I do, I will. I'll let let Rick know, and he can <laughs> let the audiences know. Yeah. And then I don't know, I'm not sure Paul Thomas here says John Kemp light bar. I didn't know John was working on a light bar. Lauren, you uh, want to attack that one? I, I got the feeling that's probably Global Neighbor. And we, we talked about them at your field day just yesterday uh, or day before, whatever it was. But uh, I mean, Global Neighbor, I'll, I'm going to tell you a story about two different companies, two totally different products. You know, when I first got involved, one of the first companies we vetted was, uh, Continuum Ag. And I, I was like, do I have to recuse myself from judging? And then uh, they're like, uh, why? And I'm like, well, because I'm already a customer of his. And they're like, well, that's the best testimony you can give. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then Global Neighbor, you know, I didn't know they were pitching for the competition, but I was already talking about their product at O'Grain here a couple of years ago. You know, one, one of their advisors, I was working with him on a project and he started telling me about this and, you know, and I started researching it and, you know, I'm pitching to O'Grain. Next thing I know here, he's pitching to the, you know, the whole ag launch team there and, you know, watching them products come up through the company or, you know, through the whole process is just hard to fathom until you sit there and watch it play out. And yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just neat program and proud to be part of it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I truly understand. So, Lauren, take us home here. What uh, either some something I missed or or what are your ending thoughts here? You want Pete on that one? No, no, I want you, and then we're going to Pete. Take take it home. Closing thoughts. Uh, reach out to you know. Just just this morning, I sent Margaret to uh, you know a company that I've been watching. You know, the guy guy is just brilliant. Some of the stuff he's doing and, you know, and I hope that's probably the best thing that might come out of tonight. You know, we find a few more companies. Yeah. The, the better companies that pitch, the harder it is to judge, but that's the beauty of it. And, 
you know, for anybody that wants to get involved, it's, it's not a one-way door. You know, you walk in, you're going to stay in and I've never seen them kick anybody out. And, you know, every, every time we have, a, have to let a company, you know, cut a company, it's like, Hey, let's try this. Stay, stay in touch. You know, we'll help you on that. And, you know, yeah. the farmer interaction keeps going even after the competition. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an amazing concept. Uh, Lauren, thank you for your time. I appreciate you coming on. Um, Pete, what do you think? Take, I know I already asked you your five-year and 10-year vision, but uh, um, anything I missed here that you'd like to highlight and, and uh, uh, wrap this thing up for us? I think a couple thoughts. One is I do believe there's a way to build a new future in agriculture. I know, you know you're leading that effort and others of which the land still is owned by actual farmers and we're growing crops that people can make money and doing them the right way. And we're benefiting our local economies and all those good things. So I do think that there's a way and it's going to require us being clever. It's going to require us having some courage and um, taking some interesting risks. And I would say what yeah. we do is adds one more arrow in the quiver of folks that want to kind of think that way um, Two. You know, I think that when you think about drivers of innovation, they're really driven. There's a myth that, you know, it's a university or it's a new venture fund or it's, you know, a new state program. It's having a very open mind about surrounding yourself with diverse people, with diverse thinking. That's not something sometimes we're all particularly good at and being willing to take some risks. And so I'll end with going, you referenced this a minute ago, throughout history, very small group of people that had guts and vision change massive amount of things it's happened you know we've got apple computer that's one of the largest market cap companies in the world that was a pipe dream when we were like alive 35 yeah. years ago right yeah. and you can track that back over poetry art music everything and so we fundamentally believe that there's we're incubating beyond the companies and the farmers um very innovative bright people that are daring to do things that are going to change the future. And I call it the thousand year view. We have this unique position to take yeah. everything we've learned and carve a path that's going to far outlive all of us. That's awesome. Well, guys, again, folks, aglaunch, www.aglaunch.com. They're in a, a promotional blitz right now. You've got to get your applications in. Uh, uh, September 4th, I believe, is the deadline. So please, uh, if even if you know if you if you don't think you've got a product that work, don't you decide? Let them decide, and they will help you uh, shape and, and massage your your idea into something big. So, um, guys, thanks. I, I, this has been a great time. I appreciate your time, Pete, Sarah, Lauren. Thank you, thank you so much, guys. Guys, good luck in the future. Thanks. Look forward to being with you more. Talk thank to you later. You. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Lauren. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys.